Welcome to Ridgepoint Church. It is so good to have you guys with us today. I'm Clayton. I'm the pastor here at Ridgepoint. And if you're joining us online, it is great to have you guys as well. Make sure you share our video today and let your friends and family know that you're watching online. We would love to have them join as well. Guys, um, first of all, let me just, just thank, thank out loud Michael Stevens last week. He brought the word. I don't know if you guys were here or not or you watched online, but he did an excellent job. So thankful for him. We are going to be calling him Pastor Michael very soon. At the end of this month, uh, uh, Michael is going to be ordained here at Ridgepoint Church, and so it's going to be a great day. We're excited for what is ahead for he and his family. Um, also, I'm excited today because we're starting a new series called Bless This Home. Uh, and so this one is going to be um, primarily about oh, everybody lives in a home, and so it can be for everyone. Uh, but I'm, I'm thankful for this particular series, and I want to go ahead and give a disclaimer right at the very beginning. The, the idea and, and a lot of the main themes from this particular series comes from a church called Life Church. And so I'm so thankful for them. They provide resources for pastors like me um, and this particular series. We've been talking about doing a family series for a really long time. And when we sat down and started looking at what um, it might look like to do a family series during the summer, during the month of July, uh, this series just really spoke to us. And so I want to go ahead and throw that out in the very beginning. I want to start with a question. Today, I want to ask you a question. I want you to be honest with me today. How many of you would say today that you want your families and your homes to be blessed? Pretty simple, right? Pretty much everyone around you. If you don't have your hand up, wow, I don't know what's wrong with you. Anyway, uh, hands are up all over the room. Anyone online, I'm sure. I mean, I, I know for you guys, you want to be blessed and you want your families to be, to be blessed. The problem is today, the problem is today. If, we're, if there's one word that we want to say about families around us today, if there's one way to characterize them, it's probably not going to be blessed. As a matter of fact, the word that really comes to mind is struggling. Families are struggling. Wow, that family is really struggling. Their marriage is just not what it could be. And I, I just, there's, they're just really struggling right now. Or maybe parenting really is not. It's more than what they thought it was going to be, and so they're, they're just really struggling right now. As a matter of fact, that family that I know that lives down the street from me, man, or lives out the holler from me, that family, listen, they're just living paycheck to paycheck, and I just know it's got to be difficult for them. They're really struggling. You know, we see a record number of single parents today. Record number of single parents today, which is obviously very difficult trying to support your family on one income. That in and of itself is difficult. There's only one per person to carry the load. There's only one person to be the disciplinary. Listen, it can be so overwhelming for people. Everything is competing for our time and our attention. Parents, you guys know what I'm talking about. Everything is competing for our time and attention. It's schoolwork. It's work work. It's ball games. It's music lessons. It's academic practice. It's dance lessons. The list goes on and on and on. And so many things are vying for our time and our attention. What I'd like to do over the next few weeks, we're going to be going through this series all the way through the month of July. What I'd like to do is, is talk to you a little bit about Matthew chapter 5. And this is Jesus talking, and it's his big famous Sermon on the Mount, and he's talking about the bee attitudes, blessed bees, the blessed bees. And we're going to use four of these verses to shape what we think and how we run our families. Some of you may be saying, listen, I'm a student or I'm single and I just, this is not for me. I, I beg to differ. 
I beg to differ because the truths that are embedded in this particular series and in this particular sermon that Jesus himself preached, listen, they're going to be applicable to all of us. And another thing, for those of you that are younger and maybe you're looking forward to a family someday, listen, I wish so much that someone at some point in my life would have sat me down and told me these things. It would have helped me a lot as I moved into parenting four years ago. So we're going to start with Matthew chapter 5, verse 6 today. And this is what Jesus said. He said, verse 6, he said, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are those that hunger and thirst for righteousness, you will be filled. Yet many of our homes, many of our homes are not filled with that which matters the most. We're searching and striving for anything, anything at all that brings us meaning other than righteousness. Many of our homes are. And why is that? Because we're filling our lives with things that don't matter. You can tweet that out. We are filling our lives with things that don't matter. We're not blessed as we could be because we're not hungering and thirsting for righteousness for right living, or for doing the right thing in a way that honors and pleases God. So answer this question. And this is personal. I don't want you raising your hands on this one, but I want you to be honest with yourselves. In your home, what are you hungering for? In your home, what are you hungering and thirsting for? What are you pursuing? In your home, what matters most? Now, Many of you adults, you're probably going to be uh, tempted to give me the Sunday school answer. We just want more Jesus, right? That's probably what most of you would say to me. Or we just want to please the Lord. That's probably what many of you would say. Here's the big question. What would your kids say that matters most to you in your home? What will your kids tell you today or tell me today that you are hungering and thirsting for? What matters most in your home? Let me just go ahead and throw this out there. Please don't ask my four-year-old son, Lincoln, what we are hungering and thirsting for. It's probably not going to be what you think it's going to be. So don't ask him. But nonetheless, what would your kids say matters most to you in your home? We're going to make it even easier. Listen, in the past seven days, in the past seven days on the calendar, the past seven days, what have you been pursuing in your home? Is it time for relaxation? Some of you just got back from the beach and didn't ask us to go. Is it time for relaxation or is it like, is it time to clean the house? You probably would have heard that from my son. Dad's always asking me to clean up, clean up, clean up, clean up. I'm always asking them to clean up. It never happens, but I always ask, what have you been pursuing in your home for the past seven days? Have you been hungering and thirsting for the next ball game? The next practice, the next dance lesson, what is it? Some of your kids might say, maybe not in this particular way, but maybe the same sentiment. Maybe your kids will say, well, we've been hungering for popularity. We're all about image management in my home. We want to look the best. We want to dress the best. We want to drive the best. We want to live in the best. We want to post the best pictures on social media. We want it all to look like we're just the most precious Christian family. That's what we want. That's what we want the most. Here's a hard one. Maybe you're hungering and thirsting to keep up with your neighbor. 
May, just think about it for a moment. Maybe you're hungry, and I'm not talking about the person next door to you. I'm talking about parents that, that your kids go to school with their kids. Maybe they would say that you're hungering and thirsting to keep up with your neighbor. Your neighbor just, just bought that new SUV, so you've got to have a new SUV. They just put their kids in music lessons, or they put them on the soccer team, or they're on the dance team, or they're on the volleyball team, the academic team, the archery team, football team, whatever it may be. But I have to have my kids on the same things. Because if I don't have my kids on the same things, then we're just not, we're just not being good enough. Here's one, parent guilt. What happens when you feel guilty because your kids aren't doing all those things? Do they really need to be on six different teams in third grade? No, no, they don't. I'm not, please, I'm going to get hate mail over that one. I'm sorry. Listen, it's okay if they are. It's okay. It's okay. I'm just asking a question. Just asking. I'm not insinuating. If you're like most people in culture today, if you're like most people, that's not everyone. You may say, Pastor, I don't have a problem with this, and good for you. But if you're like most people in culture today, if you're honest, you'd say that over the last seven days that you're pursuing something or many things other than God. Maybe. Maybe that's true for you. Problem is, we are not hungering and thirsting for righteousness. And Jesus said, if you hunger and thirst for righteousness, you will be filled. So, what do we do when we realize that we're not hungering and thirsting for righteousness? What do we do when we realize that we're hungering and thirsting for the wrong things? What do we do when we realize that our, we have an appetite for the things that do not satisfy us or bring us joy? What do we do? The simple answer is we change our appetite. We change our appetite. You don't think that's possible? So, I'm going to use this, this uh, term very loosely, but over the past few weeks, I've been dieting, right? Very loosely, okay? It's supposed to be low carb. I just ate a hamburger last night with two buns. I was only supposed to have one. Anyway, um, so we've been doing this little dieting thing. I'm trying to lose a little bit of weight. Um, I don't feel good anymore. It's, anyway, I shouldn't go into all that. Anyway. Um, so we've been dieting a little bit, and one of the things that I did in the very beginning, in the very beginning, even before I started low-carbing, one of the first things that I did was said, okay, I've got to give up soda. I've got to give up pop. What do y'all say, soda or pop? Which one? Soda, pop? I say pop, you know, we say pop. Anyway, if you're from the north, you don't understand. Anyway, um, so we gave up pop uh, for in the very beginning. This is even before we started low-carbing. And the thing about it was I didn't want to. Because I love pop. As a matter of fact, you come to our, our kitchen in our house right now, look right in the corner, you're going to find a whole big shelf of nothing but A&W root beer. That's me. I love that. And my wife loves Dr. Pepper. And so that's what we always drank for everything. We love it. We just love it. And so when we gave it up, we still got a stash over in the corner. We just don't use it anymore. But you know what I replaced it with? There's water in this cup, I promise. It's water. I promise. And I found these really cool little flavor packets Starburst, okay? No sugar. I pro that's what the box says, at least. These are perfect, okay? And this, was, this has been the dream for me. They taste great. It's not like your normal flavor packets. Go to Food City, pick some up. They're really good. They're really good. But in the beginning, I didn't want to do it. I didn't want to give up pop. But every time I give up pop, I typically use six, lose six to eight pounds. And so I've got to give up pop. But now, now, when I wake up in the morning... I want my water, and I want my water with my little blue raspberry flavor packet. That's what I want. It's so good. Why? 
because I changed my appetite. It was weird in the beginning. I didn't really want to do it. But the more that I did it, the more it made a difference. After making a conscious decision, this is what's best for me. This is what's best for my family. This is what's best for those around me. This is what's best for my health. I made a conscious decision to do something different. Over time, I changed my appetite. I don't crave pop anymore. I don't even want pop. We went to a restaurant just the other day. I don't want a pop. I want my, my water with my flavor packet. Here's the thing. If you start pursuing God, in your family. If you start pursuing God and you start seeking after Him, suddenly you're going to understand and you're going to see the benefits of walking with God. You're going to realize that this is so much better than I ever imagined before. You're going to see the benefits of being led by the Spirit and you'll want more of Him. And what's that going to do? It's going to change your appetite. You'll no longer desire the junk food of this world that only distracts you and can never satisfy you. You'll thirst and hunger for righteousness. It's really simple. Now, here's the question. Why don't we see more of this in our homes? Why don't we see more of people that are blessed because they are searching and seeking for righteousness? Let me tell you the things that work and the things that don't work in your homes. There are things that do work and there are things that don't work when you are trying to, um, uh, to, to seek after righteousness. The first thing is this that doesn't work. This doesn't work. Legalistic Christianity doesn't work. The second thing that doesn't work is lukewarm Christianity. Those two things, they do not help us build a home that is blessed. They just don't. As a matter of fact, you may be asking the question, well, what is legalistic Christianity? Legalistic Christianity, I'm going to give you some examples. It's when you reduce Christianity to in homes to a bunch of do's and don'ts. You reduce Christianity in your home to a bunch of do's and don'ts. Don't do this and don't do that. Do this because it's a rule. And if you don't do this, then you're not a good Christian. And whatever you do, kids, don't drink, don't smoke, don't chew, don't have sex before marriage, and don't run around with people that do. Whatever you do, just don't do those things. And if you don't do those things, you're going to be a good Christian. Parents, hear me. Just just trust me. Please don't use that as your example for your kids. Just don't. It's okay to have a conversation with them and tell them it's not good to do those things. But here's the thing. Here's what you have to understand. Rules without relationship leads to rebellion. Rules without relationship leads to rebellion. If you just tell your kids don't do all these things, because if you do these things, then you're not going to be a good Christian. First of all, that gives them a very skewed and... and um, a wrong view of God, period. It's just wrong. It's just wrong because God, God loves us in spite of us. You can't be perfect. Don't teach your kids that they have to be perfect in order to be a Christian. That's going to mess them up for the rest of their lives. Don't teach your kids that. Rules without relationship leads to rebellion. Legalistic Christianity never works. The second thing is this. It doesn't work. Lukewarm Christianity. Now, that's when you believe in God, but your life, you live your life as if he doesn't exist. It's cultural Christianity. There's no evidence of transformation. We're all about transformation at Ridgepoint Church. We're all about transformation. We all know and we all acknowledge that we're in one place right now in our lives, but we want to be somewhere else because we believe that's going to get us closer to God. We all have a trip to make 
in transformation. Doesn't matter how far you are along the journey. I don't care how old you are or how long you've been a Christian. We all need to be transformed. None of us are perfect. It's just the way it is. So the, the reality is there's no evidence in lukewarm Christianity. There's no evidence of that transformation. This past week on social media, I shared a quote. And it said this. Some millennials, we all like to give millennials a hard time, right? Some millennials re resent church because their parents were good at church, but not good at life. They struggle attending a place that consumed their parents' time, but never transformed their private life. Guys, that absolutely rocked my world. I don't want to be a parent that stays at church because we're at church all the time. I mean, this is, I work at church. I'm here all the time. And if my son and daughter grow up and don't see my life being transformed by the power of Christ, what does that tell them about church? What well, tells them that we have a pretty weak God, doesn't it? I don't want to go to God. Why should I go to God? He couldn't change my parents. Man, I'm, I, that's, I'm stepping on my own toes this morning. It's profound. How you live in private will affect your children's view of God in the church. However you live in private will affect your children's view of God and the church. Are you a part of a lukewarm home? I can't judge this for you. Please hear me. I promise you, I'm not up here preaching at you. I'm, I'm preaching because I believe God's put this on my heart. And I'm preaching to all of us, including myself and my wife. So I'm not up here to judge whether or not you're a part of a lukewarm home. That's not my role. The Holy Spirit does that, and He will tell you. He will convict you, and He will show you if this is, if this is applicable to you. I believe it's applicable to all of us. But I can't judge you, and I can't judge your faith. But for me, if I'm looking at my own life, here are some indicators that I would know that my home or I am becoming more of a lukewarm Christian. If I can't tell you the last time that we prayed together as a family, that's a pretty good indicator that I'm moving more toward a lukewarm Christianity. If I can't sit down and tell you the last time that my family and I got together and we prayed, it's probably a good indicator. If I never say to my family, hey, Today, I was reading something in the Bible, and God just spoke to me through this verse. Can I share it with you? If I've not said that in a long time, it's probably a good indicator that my life is moving toward lukewarm Christianity. If I've never said, you know, I was praying about something the other day, and God really spoke to me in this, this, this prayer, and, and I, you know, I just got to share it with you. Here's what God shared with me. If I've never had that conversation with my kids lately, probably that I'm moving more toward lukewarm Christianity. If I've never turned the radio station because the lyrics that I'm listening to don't honor God, pretty good indicator. If I've never turned the TV station because the words coming out of someone's mouth don't honor the Lord, it's probably a good indicator. My wife and I were listening to Sirius XM uh, the other day, and we were on our trip somewhere. I can't even remember where it was. But something, some song came on, and, and right off the bat, man, it was just, can I say raunchy? It was raunchy. It was just bad. And I was like, why in the world? How did this come on this channel? And immediately we turned it. It was like, that is not honoring the Lord. And I don't want my kids to hear that, right? If I'm, and a lot of people would say, you, that's just, you're over the top, Pastor. You're just over the top. You're supposed to be like that. You're a pastor, but I'm a common person down here, so I'm not like that. Listen, we're all the same. We're all the same. I'm no better than you. Um, if I'm never talking to my kids about God, if I'm never talking to my kids about God, if we're never praying about something together, 
If I've never said, hey, you know what? God has blessed us so much. He's blessed us so much lately that we're going to serve somewhere. We're going to give our time and our money to a particular place, and we're going to serve someone that's less fortunate than us. If I've not done that lately, probably means for me and my family, I'm moving more toward lukewarm Christianity. It's a good indicator. Jesus said in Revelation chapter 3, Jesus said, I know all the things that you do, that you are neither hot nor cold. I wish that you were one or the other, but since you are like lukewarm water, neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. Lukewarm Christianity doesn't work, folks. It just doesn't work. Blessed are those that hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. So, the question is, million dollar question for the day, what does work? If those things don't work, what does work, Pastor? And here's what, here, here's what I want to say to you. This is the main thing. For the next three weeks, as we talk here from the stage, all three weeks from here on out and the rest of the sermon today is going to be based on one particular point, one particular main idea. And that thing is, and this is what I want for my family. This is exactly what I want for my family, and I want it for your family as well. We are not just a Christian family. We're not just a Christian family. We're a Christ-centered home. There's a difference. You may not think there's a difference, but there is. We don't just claim that we are a Christian home. You know what? 70% of Americans, American families, claim that they are Christian homes. But not all of them are Christ-centered homes. There is a difference. And I want you and I to be a part of a Christ-centered home. Scripture doesn't say, blessed are those who believe in Christ whenever it's convenient for you. It doesn't say that. It says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be, they will be filled. If we don't... If we don't have an appetite for that, if that's not what we're hungering and thirsting for, we need to change our appetite. I love the way that David explains this in Psalms chapter 63. He says, you God, just listen to the language that David speaks here and writes down. He says, you, my God, he's talking to the Lord. You, God, are my God. You are everything to me, God, earnestly. I seek after you with all that I am, everything inside of me, God, I'm seeking after you. I thirst for you. Like I'm parched because I need you so much. My whole being longs for you. Everything inside of me wants more of you, God, in a dry and parched land where there is no water. The language in that is just so beautiful. David is saying, everything inside of me, everything about me, longs for you, God. Listen, it's not, hey, God, I just really, I need something today, so I want you today. But tomorrow, once you give me what I want, I'm not going to talk to you anymore for a while. I'll come back around to you whenever I have what I need. That's not what David says. And just for, just for kicks and giggles, just for fun, just for a moment, can we kind of interpret this as a family? Can we just kind of retranslate this scripture? I know, don't call me a heretic. Just, just go with me for a moment, okay? Can we just translate this as a family? What if it said this? You, God, are our God. What if we sit down with our family, with our kids and our spouse, and we said, you, God, are our God. 
You, God, are our God. Earnestly, we as a family seek after you. Not just, my, not just the parents, not just the kids, but we as a family, we seek after you. We thirst for you, God. We thirst for you. Our whole family longs for you. Like, do, do you want that? Like, just think about it for a moment, parents. Do you want that? Kids, do you want to be a part of a family that longs for God? How do you do this? The question becomes that. And I'm winding down here at the end. How do you do that? How do we get hunger and thirst for righteousness in our homes and with our families? How do we do that? Here's a good philosophy for creating a Christ-centered home. Here's a good philosophy for all of us. We should help our family see God as loving, as approachable, and as involved. If you're taking notes today, write those three things down. We should help our family see God as loving, as approachable, and as involved. Very simple. He loves us. He loves you. Talking to our kids, He loves you. You can go to Him about anything, and He's involved in all that you do. He's not just some cosmic being that's way out there. He's someone that cares about my everyday life. Every situation, every problem, everything that we celebrate. He wants to be a part of every aspect of your life. In a conversation between Pastor Craig Rochelle and his teenage daughter, Pastor Craig uh, asked, what advice would you give a family? His daughter was 17 at the time. What advice would you give a family that wants to be a Christ-centered family? Like, what, as a 17-year-old, what advice can you give to another family that wants to be a Christ-centered family? His daughter paused for just a moment, and here's what she said. She said, you should create an environment where your kids want to have discussions about God so it's not something that they feel that they have to do, but it's something that they want to do. Parents, listen up. Like, I can't give you any better. We could stop right there. I can't give you any better advice right now than that. We need to create environments where kids want to talk about God. Because they want to, not because they have to. And you're probably saying, sounds good, Pastor, but how do I do that? I mean, I'd like to do that too, but how do we do that? We need to create these environments. It's not something that they have to do. It's something that they want to do. Listen, I want to tell you right now, parents... If you have kids in our kids' ministry at Ridgepoint Church, we literally strive every single week to do this for you. We want to set you up for a win every single week. We want you to have spiritual discussions in your homes, in your cars, at nighttime before you go to bed, in the morning before you, uh, before you leave the house with your kids. Every single week, we want to set you up for a win. As a matter of fact, we give you this. Every time you walk out, you come to pick your kids up, and you leave this church, your kid or you have this in your hand. This is called a parent cube. We believe in partnering with parents at Ridgepoint Church. In all that we do, that's from birth to uh, graduation day or, or, or 18. From birth all the way to graduation, when you graduate from high school, we believe in partnering with parents. We cannot disciple your kids the way that they need to be discipled to go out into the world when they turn 18 and actually stick with the Lord. We can't do it. But here's what we can do. We can partner with you so that you can help them in all the extra time that you have with your kids that we don't. We can partner with you to help you 
and set you up for a win with your kids. There's information on this parent queue, every class, every week, and it sets you up for a win. It says, it basically literally, as a parent, it says, say this. It can't get any easier. Say this. Say, who can you trust? And your kid, because they've learned this, they know this, they're going to say, I can trust the Lord. I can trust God. Then they're going to say, do this. And they've got a little activity on here. Anytime during the week that you want to do it. Sets you up for a win at home. You don't have to think, what am I going to do? How am I going to have a conversation with my kids? You don't have to think that. It sets you up for a win. And then it says, in the morning time, it says, and this it changes every week. But it's, this one says, when you go into your child's room in the morning time, this is for a toddler, or I'm sorry, preschool. It says, when you go into your child's room, say, good morning, raise both hands high in the air if you're ready to make it a great day. Raise both of your hands in the, in, the, um, in the air and say, whatever happens today, we know we can trust God, right? And then give your child a fist bump. Guys, how much easier can we make it? Don't just throw these things away. This is for you parents. We are setting you up for a spiritual discussion with your kids. We don't do this for high school students. <laughs> You're not gonna, yeah, it's probably not going to work with your high school student. But we have other options and other activities and other discussion starters for your high school students. We're setting you up for a win. We want to help you create environments where kids want to have discussions about God. We're trying to help you. Help us do that. So, for everyone, for all of us, how do we do that? How do we, how do we have relationships and environments, make environments where we as a family are seeking after righteousness. I'm going to give you three simple ways where you can hunger and thirst. You can begin to hunger and thirst for God. The first thing is involve God in your daily conversations. That's very simple. Involve God in your daily conversations. When you start out, it may be kind of weird because you don't talk about God a lot, but, but it's really simple. If you're driving alongside the road, lots of times late in the evening, we're driving alongside the road and we see an absolutely beautiful sunset. That's awesome. Look at that sunset. It's so beautiful. Change, change the way you talk to your kids. Say, wow, look at that sky that God has painted. Look how beautiful that God's creation is. Did you know God created that? Look at that masterpiece. Now you may say, Pastor, that's just silly. I'm not going to talk like that to my kids. Listen, we need to involve God in our daily conversations, in all that we do. Make it a part of our conversations. Maybe you're sitting down getting ready to make a, uh, a big decision as a family. You're kind of weighing out the pros and the cons. Maybe as you look at your screen or you look at your paper or whatever and you're weighing out the pros and the cons, maybe you say, I wonder what God would want us to do. I wonder what God would want us to do. Maybe we should pray about that. And then you just take your family and you start praying. It would work. It would work. Here's a big one. Involve your kids in your finances. We try so hard as parents to not talk about our finances in front of our kids. But here's what I want to challenge you to do. Talk to your kids about your finances. Let them know that when they want those brand new $140 Jordans or whatever. Jordan's probably not the thing. I'm back in the 90s. Sorry. When they want those brand new shoes, let them know, hey, I really don't have the money for that. I don't, I don't really have the money for that. And then watch God start moving. So that at some point you can go back and say, look what God did. I just randomly came across this money. It came back from a bill that I overpaid three months ago. God does that all the time. He does it all the time. 
Things happen in our lives all the time. We need to give God credit for it. We need to show our kids what God does. There's been many times in your lives, probably, that you're thinking, I don't know how I'm going to pay my bills this month. I don't know. I don't know how we're going to keep our house. And then what does God do? Every single time. Every time. Our kids need to know that. Our kids need to know how good God is. Let them know about those things. Involve God in your daily conversations. The second thing is, if you want to, make, if you want to hunger and thirst for righteousness, the second thing is you need to make church non-negotiable. This is a tough one. You need to make church non-negotiable. If you're a Christian-centered home or a Christ-centered home, guess what you do? You make a priority of the worship of your God something that is non-negotiable. I can't really expound upon that very much because it's just as simple as that. To take one hour a week to honor the Creator and the Sustainer of the universe. It's not asking much. To take one hour a week to listen to the proclamation of the Word of God. It's not asking much. You say to your family, we're going to church, period. That's just who we are. That's what our family values. We value being with other Christians and hearing and worshiping God, period. It's non-negotiable. And let me tell you something, parents. <laughs> Listen, if church isn't important to you, don't expect it to be important to your kids. When, you, when your kids turn 18, and God forbid, they leave the church... And go out into the world. You'll start looking back on the times that you could have spent at the church. And with other believers. Likely in regret. If it doesn't matter to you, it will not matter to your kids. Last thing is this. Show how seeking and serving God is fun. The third thing that you can do to, to begin to hunger and thirst for righteousness in your homes is to show how serving and seeking God is fun. Guys, I don't know about you, but I have a great time as a Christian. I don't need to be out in the world experiencing all the things that the world has to offer in order to have a good time in this life. I've been there. I've not always been a pastor. I've not always done the right thing or the good thing. I've been in the world. I've experienced what the world has to offer. And I can tell you straight up, I've never had more fun in this life than when I am with other believers. Period. It's fun to serve God. It's fun to be in the presence of other believers. The problem is many of us walk around with sour looks on our faces all the time. And our kids are like, why? Why are you look so sour? Because we got to get up this morning and go to church. And I just don't want to go to church today. I just don't want to do it. I'm just so tired. I just want to stay home today. What do you think your kids are going to want to do? They're going to want to stay home. Because you're showing them it's not fun. If you're not having fun at church, you're not doing it right. You're not doing good. Let me tell you something. If you're not having fun at church, you're probably not serving. Because serving the Lord is fun. And serving the Lord through the church is fun. So get into a serving group at Ridgepoint Church. Let's have fun together. We always have fun together. We always have fun together. Seeking and serving the Lord is fun. It's not that we have to. It's that we get to. Because when your get to turns to got to, you've lost your gratitude. You don't have to be here. You don't have to do this. You don't have to do that. It's an honor 
to be in the presence of God and other believers to worship Him. It is. It's the way I see it. As parents, we're always trying to tell our kids, I think this is going to relate to you. We're always trying to tell our kids, be good. Be good. You probably said this. If you're a parent, you probably said this 10 times in the past three days. I tell my son this all the time. Be good. Be good. And what I'm basically saying to him is make the right choices. Make the good decisions. Do the right thing. But here's the thing, parents. We don't have to tell them to be good when we as a family are already seeking the one who is good. We don't have to tell them to be good when we are a family, as a family, are seeking and searching and thirsting and hungering for righteousness from the one who is good. Everything. Matthew chapter 6 verse 33 says to put God first in all that we do. All Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. All these other things will be added into you. All these things. You may say, Pastor, that's good for you because you're the pastor. You're supposed to be talking like that. Guys, I'm going to tell you straight up, I've not arrived. My wife and I don't go home and just sit in the Bible 24-7. That's not us. That's not reality. We're not there either. You may say, Pastor, I just can't do it. I've never prayed with my kids yet. It's okay. It's okay as long as there's still breath in your lungs. I don't even care if your kids are graduated high school already. As long as there's still breath in your lungs, you still have an opportunity to change your appetite. It starts with today. Joshua chapter 24 verse 15 says, Then choose for yourselves this day. You may say, Pastor, Ten years from now, what's that look like? Three days from now, I don't know what that looks like. But what I can tell you is if you choose today to serve the Lord and seek after Him today, it will make an impact on tomorrow. And then tomorrow, when you choose to seek after the Lord and thirst for His righteousness and hunger for His righteousness, it will make an impact on the next day and then the next day and then the next day. The Bible says, choose today for yourselves this day who you will serve. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. Are you seeking and searching for Him as a family? That's what I want to challenge you with today. My challenge is very simple. If you don't, if you've not prayed with your kids lately, very simple challenge. If you've not prayed with your kids lately, make a conscious choice to pray with your kids. Maybe they don't even live here anymore. Call them up on the phone and say, Honey, I know this is going to be weird, but I need to pray with you. Okay, Mom. Okay, Dad. Kids in this room right now are watching online. If your parents haven't prayed with you lately, go to them today and say, Will you pray with me? Do it, please. I just want to hear what they have to say. Ask them to pray with you. And let's see what happens. You may think it's weird in the beginning, but I promise you, if you make it a lifestyle and you seek after His righteousness, it's going to change. And you're going to change. Your kids are going to change. And your lives are going to change. Would you stand let's pray together. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you, God, for this great opportunity that you've blessed us with. Thank you for this challenge. What a challenging day, Lord. 
I want to thirst and I want to hunger only for you, not for this world or anything this world has to offer. I want to thirst and hunger for you. And I pray that for every family that's listening today. And even those that are not a part of uh, or not married yet or don't have kids, I pray that we are all thirsting and hungering for you and you only, not what this world has to offer, but you and you alone. Help us today, challenge us, and lead us in Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. The altar's open. I would love for you, I would love for you to accept the challenge today. And if you need to pray and ask God to give you the strength and the wisdom to do so, that's what you do. If you're here today, you've never accepted Jesus as your Savior you've never accepted that free gift, I'd love to talk to you. I'll be sitting in the front row, or you can click on uh, the prayer request option online if you're watching online. Let's begin to worship the Lord.